Section 22 of Six Radical Thinkers by John McCunn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 6 The Political Idealism of T. H. Green. Part 2. Nor must we suppose that this glowing and grateful appreciation of what life, even with all its obstructive imperfections, has to give, rests merely upon a perception of the recognized value of such things as are enumerated in this passage for it is time now to go to the root of the matter and to say that analysis of experience both on the lesser scale of individual morality and on the larger scale of national history had convinced green that moral and political institutions were more than the resultants of secular forces behind them and within them he discerned and he claimed this as a result of analysis a universal spiritual force a divine idea an eternal consciousness for even if on a first view of it the course of history might seem to be no more than the secular product of finite human wills and circumstances it was precisely his analysis of the action of human wills as found in moral and political experience that convinced green that neither human achievement nor aspiration could be made intelligible except through the presence in so-called secular affairs of that universal spiritual force to which the religious consciousness had never failed to bear witness for it is not simply because institutions are the work of many hands and many minds which wrought their best in the generations that are gone that the social system into which we come is entitled to our respect it is also and ultimately for the deeper reason that it is the work of men who in all they thought and did and endured were ultimately dependent even when they might be but dimly or not at all conscious of the fact upon that supreme source of all life which in the philosophy of green appears variously as the divine idea the universal spiritual force the spiritual principle in nature and life the eternal consciousness the dependence of man on god is as he thinks a fundamental fact of human experience hence that passage in which in repudiation of the notion that either the world of nature or the given social system is ultimately hostile and obstructive to human will and aspiration he speaks of the so-called outer world as a means through which the deity who works unseen behind it pours the truth and love which transforms man's capabilities into actualities it is so that the very force of circumstances which may seem to thwart and resist the passion for a better life can on a deeper insight be recognized as the material which in the divine plan has to be transmuted to the service of higher ends and hence that other passage in which he vindicates in noble words the actual social achievement of mankind everything he there writes that makes life human the institutions by which relations dear and all the charities of husband son and brother first were known which create honour and dishonour loyalty and disloyalty justice and injustice which makes it possible to die for one's country or to be false to it to sacrifice oneself to a cause or a cause to oneself to defraud the fatherless and widow or befriend them all these the animals know not 
they are not primary but derived not given by nature but constituted by man and when he says they are constituted by man he is not thinking of man as a being who can find nothing in the universe higher than himself it is always of man as even in the insignificance of his finitude participant in a universal spirit which works within him and is thereby rendered capable of social achievements which in permanence and value far surpass his conscious purpose or plans perhaps he says in a sentence in which the perhaps introduces what was with him a subtle conviction on thinking the matter out we should find ourselves compelled to regard the idea of social good as a communication to the human consciousness a consciousness developing itself in time from an eternally complete consciousness nor does he lack the full courage of his convictions here he sees the difficulties and goes to meet them he knows well the ferocious and greedy and selfish passions in which the existing social system has its origin the earth hunger of conquering hordes the passions of military despots the pride avarice vindictiveness of kings the lust for pleasure the greed for gain he minimizes none of them he meets them by the contention that on a closer examination even these things may be said he adopts the phrase to be overruled for good for as he reads the record even the most selfish passions that operate in the history of social evolution however they may stain the characters of those who felt them become in their own despite the ministers and instruments of social impulses and ideas which make for better things napoleon to take his leading instance may have been possessed of a personal passion for glory but the selfish passion nevertheless identified itself with the aggrandizement of his country caesar when he crossed the rubicon may have thought first and last of victory and power but he founded the empire and the empire brought to europe the blessings of roman law this is the line of thought that green follows throughout he never dreams of disputing the part that selfish passions play in the evolution of institutions he was not blind to facts if we call him optimist at all it must be with the reservation that his optimism was anything rather than easy or light-hearted yet behind all the selfish passions which darken the course of history his analysis disclosed to him two other things which he grasped with characteristic tenacity the one was the steady trend of all communities from the family onwards toward higher conceptions of a public good the other the imminence in this whole forward struggling movement of that eternal consciousness which was his philosophical synonym for god on occasion green goes further even than this for there are times when this conviction of the dependence of finite human wills upon the infinite spirit leads him as it is apt to lead all profoundly religious minds close up to the borders of a resigned optimism which might seem it is only seeming in this case the utmost antithesis of the radical passion for reform this is so where he urges that there is room even in the genius and the reformer for a wise passiveness to the heavenly influences which are ever about him 
it is so still more when he is delineating the true attitude of the religious mind toward the work and the workers of the world amongst whom a man's lot is cast the least experienced among us he says in one of his occasional religious addresses knows that it is not in the outward cast of a life but in the way of living it that the spirit of a man is shown and that there are those about him in whose characters though with no outward mark of distinction and perhaps under a surface of yet unconquered weaknesses the love of god and the brethren is the ruling power all he has to do is to share in the higher spirit of such men he need not make a rush after the heroic or seek to jump out of his circumstances the end to be attained is indeed infinite but he need not therefore vainly try to swell his own effort to a like infinity for it is already attained for him the sacrifice has been offered the goal has been won god is forever perfect light and love it is for us under the limitations of a petty human life to take such personal hold on this perfection as may fit us for its fuller communication when in his good time these limitations are taken away these it must be confessed do not read like the words of a radical they are more akin to quietism than to radicalism and they may serve admirably to accentuate the remark already quoted that green's radicalism was of a peculiar kind so peculiar some may think as to cease to be radicalism at all in any reasonable acceptation of that word green used to advise his pupils to read burke and so far as we have gone it might seem that in the profoundly religious complexion of his thought in his respect for the work of those who have gone before and in his reverent appreciation of existing social and political institutions there is more of conservative burke than of radical bentham in his philosophy this however would be a flagrant misconception for if the course of history and the growth of institutions be thus the revelation of a spiritual principle which uses men and societies of men as its organs this is not a fact to be sought for only in the past the revelation is not over and done with why should it rather is it as the years roll on increasing in fullness and in clearness with the deepening of political thought with the growth of political institutions with the increase of the volume of national life it is a greater thing for the citizen of to-day than it ever was to his forerunners who will say that it will not be greater far in the days to come green it is true was no believer in special revelations of the divine but it was because he held that there is a progressive revelation for ever going on to which no final limits can be set for there is nothing against which in all his writings he more vehemently protests than the notion that in these latter days we are somehow shut out from the perennial spiritual influences which he believed to be written if only men have eyes to see it upon the whole course of moral and political evolution the essential dependence of the human will on its divine source the constant presence of a universal spiritual principle in human life is the core of his entire ethical and political thought it is this that has made his teaching despite its heterodoxy which is pronounced enough 
welcome to many leaders of the religious world as it also makes it easy for himself and it is a strongly marked characteristic to pass from the language of metaphysics into the more familiar phrases of the religious consciousness say not in thine own heart who shall ascend into heaven or descend into the deep to find god in the height of another world or in the depths of nature the word of god is very nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart it is the word that has been made man that has been uttering itself in all the high endeavour the long-suffering love the devoted search for truth which have so far moralized mankind and that now speaks in your conscience it is the god in you which strives for communication with god speak to him thou for he hears and spirit with spirit can meet closer is he than breathing and nearer than hands and feet not as to the sensual ear nor necessarily through the stinted expression of verbal signs but as a man communes with his own heart you may speak to god these words which come in a religious address are used with reference to the moral which is also the religious life of individuals but their application does not end there being a thinker green was not the man to carry one set of fundamental conceptions into one domain and shut them out from another the same conscious dependence upon a universal spiritual source which is the strength of the personal will is the strength likewise of the political reformer it was the strength of the heroes of the commonwealth it may be the strength and inspiration also of the reformer of all ages even though he may not like cromwell and his followers clothe his aspirations in biblical language or in the terms of evangelical theology for it is precisely through this conscious dependence upon a universal spirit that there comes into human life that element in which lies the nerve of all progress that element is the presence and everlasting vitality of ideals let all who would understand green banish at once from their minds the notion that a political ideal is no more than a subjective dream or aspiration in the very fashioning of which the mind loses touch with reality and passes into the shadowy land of fantasy to frame ideals green believes to be of the essence of man's nature we find this if we analyze the will for from first to last will even from its beginnings in instinct and desire is a faculty of ideals always it sets some kind of ideal before it the ideal may be nothing more than a decent family life or a forecast of less squalid surroundings or it may be the splendid visions of the reformers and prophets of the world or it may be one or other of the manifold plans schemes or prophecies of social betterment that lie between these two extremes but some ideal there always is the entire second book of the prolegomena to ethics is written to prove that reason is and he is never weary of repeating it constitutive of motive and that the way in which it becomes so is by transmuting what otherwise would be blind animal appetites into desires for ends ends which are always even in their lowliest phases ideal this psychological analysis of will finds confirmation in biography and history 
be it the savage tribesman or the civilized citizen be it the leader of men or his humblest follower the service of ideals lofty or lowly is common to all and this is a fact that they can no more disclaim than they can abjure the idealizing reason and imagination which lift them above the brute and wherever present an ideal acts in the same way it creates that pregnant contrast between the ideal and the actual it begets that antithetic thought this is what we ought to be this is what we are whereby mankind have been throughout all the ages plunged into a saving discontent shaken out of an ignoble lethargy and lotus-eating and nerved for reform mixed with illusions our ideals may be and even with fatuities we may smile at times to think of them in retrospect but let no one think that they are therefore shadows whatever they may become to dreamers they are to all men of action whether they be thinking of the betterment of family or parish of city or of nation nothing less than the efforts of the human spirit to apprehend that greater and more satisfying reality after which all finite spirits forever strive they are attempts to express in thought and imagery finite anticipations of that reality which will one day be matter of actual experience in that far-off day namely when thanks to human courage and pertinacity the divine idea the universal spiritual force in which all that lives participates shall have found a fuller revelation in social institutions and in the souls of men than it has hitherto found in the imperfect state of existing human affairs in this aspect an ideal is not only a loftier thing it is also a thing more real than is actual human life to any one who understands a process of development says green in a pregnant sentence the result being developed is the reality apply this sweeping formula politically and we have the deeply significant doctrine that the potentialities which are already here and now struggling alike in individual and national life for fuller expression and ever and anon as in the men of the type of vane or mazzini bursting out into mysticism fanaticism and revolution point onwards with no uncertain finger to the reality of an end which though it can only be realized after many days and never in all its fullness yet reveals at every fresh step in its actualization how meagre and unreal by comparison are the earlier stages in the light of the fruition of the later for development is more than change it implies direction and though the process is always costly though as it runs its course much is lost that never comes again yet the trend is persistently such that at any given stage a nation cannot any more than an individual wish that the shadow on the dial should go backward it cannot because its citizens are conscious that each step onwards makes its life more real because richer in the essential elements of national existence they may pay their tribute to the past they may even lament the disappearance of the days that are no more but they cannot really desire to return to them because they know that retrogression would mean impoverishment of life hence the significance of green's remark 
for his words carry nothing less than a salutary inversion of the relation between the ideal and the actual as this is popularly conceived it follows from them that the hours in which a man is holding fast to his ideal become the hours in which his grasp of reality is at its strongest and that the hours in which he suffers his ideal to be obscured by the illusions of the present are the hours in which his grasp of reality is weakest nor is it possible to do justice to the reality of the reformer's ideals till full recognition is accorded to this fact End of section twenty two